Hello church. I hope you're doing well. I hope you are being blessed and being a blessing as we enter into the fall, into this new season. And I'm excited to share with us all today and get to talk about ministering to the children and teens in our midst, in our church family. As Pastor Dave shared with us last week, we're excited and expectant as we move into this season further of really meeting and gathering in our smaller missional communities and seeing God work in those ways, seeing God use this season very intentionally for the advancing of his kingdom and his gospel. So as I think about my role and I think about ministering to children and teens, I want to do this well and I want to be intentional about what that looks like in this season. And so I want to bring that conversation to all of us. And really, it very much feels like a continuation of the conversation we had back in February, where I had the opportunity to preach about Deuteronomy 6 and just this word that I felt God had put on my heart for us, that ministering to children and teens is not a program, but it's a way of life. And we we remember Deuteronomy 6, teach these things to your children as you walk and as you lie down and as you go about your way and put these things above the doorposts of your homes that this is very much day in day out way of life ministering to children so I felt God put that word on my heart for us as a reminder and that this is really all of our responsibilities to raise up the children around us in the Lord and so we continue that conversation now of how do we do this well and what does this look like in our missional communities So I have five values that I believe God has put on my heart for us, specifically as we think about ministering to children and teens. So I'm going to share these values with you where you're going to look at a couple of scriptures. And really, I hope to not talk too long because I want today to be more about our discussion and coming together and really being able to talk afterwards about these values and how we're going to live towards them and minister towards our children and teens. So these five values that I believe God put on my heart for the children and teens, the first is ownership. So that we would see children taking ownership over things in the missional communities as well as ultimately ownership over their faith and their walks with God. The second is seen, heard, and known. That each individual child would feel seen, they would feel heard, they would feel known as an image bearer of God, and they would know that they are important to the whole body, that they are valued. The third one is experiencing God. So children having personal experiences with God, hearing from him, encountering God in his full glory and his full power. The fourth one is giftings. So each child being affirmed and encouraged in their unique skills and giftings and talents and that they would be used by God now at the ages that they're at now for his kingdom. And the fifth one is one-on-one relationships. So seeing that children have these mentoring relationships with other adults who are not their parents, investing in them, committing to walk alongside them, 
beyond and outside of just our group gatherings, these mentoring relationships. So these are the five values, and I want to look at a passage in scripture where uh, just a beautiful example of a child being used by God in a powerful way. And as I've been reading through it this week, I've felt that these values that God already put on my heart before being reminded of this story in this passage, these values are here. They're just present in this story and in this example. So as we read, we're going to read about Samuel. As we read, I encourage you to keep those five values in mind and how you might see them come to play in this story of Samuel. So we're in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3 is what we're going to read. We can remember that Hannah has been praying for a child for quite some time. She's barren, and then the Lord grants her this son, who's Samuel, and she prays and vows that she will give him back over to the Lord to live in service to the Lord. So here Samuel is being raised up and taught and trained by Eli, the priest. So we're in chapter 3, we're going to read this chapter. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever, for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. So we have this beautiful story 
that in and of itself is just such an encouragement of a child being used powerfully by God. Samuel is likely not a teenager quite yet here. So he's he's a child and he's being used powerfully. He's hearing from God powerfully. And I don't know about you as we just read, but as I read through this, I, I see these values coming to life here in this story. And it's hard even to separate and them from one another because they feel really intertwined here. But we see that Samuel certainly has ownership. He has responsibility. Chapter three starts out saying he was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. So he is serving. He's really being a servant and doing whatever is asked of him. Um, and, and we see ownership happening here. And we see Eli encouraging ownership happening here as well. We see that Samuel is certainly seen and heard and known by Eli and by God. God speaks directly to Samuel, calls him by name, which then comes into experiencing God. We, we see this powerful encounter that Samuel has with God personally. But in verse 7, it explains that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he was already ministering to the Lord. He was serving faithfully, obediently, but he maybe hadn't had that encounter yet with God personally. But we see that happen here. And I love this example how he thinks that Eli is calling him. That's all he's known is serving Eli, asking him to do something and him obeying faithfully. However, God is speaking to him here and Eli has to point that out. So Eli says, you know, I think something different's going on here. It's the Lord speaking to you. So when that happens again, here's what you say. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So this beautiful example of Eli showing him, this is God speaking to you. This is how you can respond. This is how you can listen to him. And then him encouraging him in this gift, right? Gifting. So Samuel receives this word from God that is not pleasant, that is a word of judgment for Eli. But then Eli, still knowing quite well this is likely not a good word from God, still encourages Samuel, affirms him in his gifting to speak the word that God spoke to him. Samuel is able to share this vision with Eli. So we see giftings being encouraged here um, to the point where at the end of this passage, it says that all Israel came to know Samuel being established as a prophet. So for sure, encouraged and affirmed in his giftings to operate as a prophet for the Lord. And one-on-one relationships, that's entirely wrapped up here where we see Eli and Samuel having this mentoring kind of apprentice relationship and he's pouring into him and investing him and training him up and and teaching him well so i see these five values just come to life in this passage and in this example of samuel being used by god and and it's not a small example it's really quite powerful here and i think that this story in the context of the Old Testament alone is such an encouragement to us and a a wonderful example. But then as believers living in the new covenant and living after Jesus has come to earth and lived and died and been raised to the dead and ascended, this takes on an even deeper meaning for us because we know that through what Jesus has done, 
he has redefined the temple and he has redefined priests. That the temple is no longer just this structure, this house of worship, this one structure place where you go and where you worship the Lord and where his presence dwells there. And the priests are no longer just this one group of people who are holy and set apart from everyone else and they commune with God. But Jesus redefined both of these things and kind of turned them on their heads. And we can, we can see this explained here in 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's for verse 5. So Peter here is saying, you yourselves are being built up as a spiritual house. You yourselves now, believers, you are the temple. And then he goes on to say, you are a chosen race, verse 9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a royal priesthood. You are the priests. So this has incredible implications for us as we strive to be missional, as we strive to live out the Great Commission and to live in these missional communities and to bring the kingdom of God to people. This has incredible implications for that, that we are the temple and we are the priests. There's probably countless things to say there. But even as we think specifically about ministering to children and teens, and as we think about this story in Samuel, I think there's a beautiful implication here as well. Because we see that Samuel is raised up in the temple by a priest. And so if we are the temple and the priests, what is our responsibility there? To raise up the children and the teens in our midst. And so maybe the question is, who are the Samuels? Who are the children around us, the teenagers around us? And how can we operate in our calling from the Lord to teach them and raise them and with these values in mind to see that they have ownership, to see that they have personal encounters with the Lord, to point out to them when we recognize God may be speaking to them and to point out, I think God might be speaking to you and here's how you listen and here's how you can respond. And here are gifts that I see in you. And here um, is how you can use those for the Lord. So just these beautiful ways and beautiful implications that if we are the temple and we are the priests, the priesthood of believers, then how much more does this speak to us in this time that we are living as we strive to, to raise them up in the Lord? So I don't want to go on because I really want our time today to be spent in discussion and spent in prayer thinking about this. But may we be encouraged by Samuel's story. May we be encouraged by this boy being used by the Lord. May we be encouraged by Eli's relationship with him, raising him up. May we be encouraged to see that happening around us in our communities May we be challenged by this idea that we are the temple and we are the priests. And so then what does that mean for us in light of our missional communities and specifically in light of raising up and ministering to the children and teens around us? So I want to send us off to have these conversations. I've sent your missional community leaders a worksheet 
that you can use to guide your conversation, to talk through these values, and hopefully to come up with some goals and objectives of how are we going to live towards these values and with our children and teens in mind. And, and please bring the children's thoughts into this conversation, whether you already spoke to the children and teens, whether you're going to talk to them later, but ask them what are some passions that they have, what are skills that they have, what are things that they love, and, and use that information and ask them what's something that breaks their heart, what's something that makes them sad when they see it and they want to help and they want to be a part of fixing that problem. And, and use their thoughts and their insights as you think about ministering to them as well. So send us off to have these conversations and I look forward to following up with you to hear how this goes in your missional community and how you plan to live towards these values.